morning I was on Facebook and I saw a post from a retired missionary friend of mine and and uh, he in the post he mentioned that uh, a man that had a profound impact upon me in South Korea had had uh, passed away um, his name was chapter chaplain uh, Bill Brewster uh, he was a colonel when I was when I was in and he retired as a colonel and um, he was a true pioneer um, of the apostolic faith. If we could get everybody, please, to move into the two center sections here and make things a whole lot easier for me. Um, if we could do that, I'd appreciate that. Um, chaplain Brewster was an, he was a UPC chaplain. Um, a lot of the things that I learned about working with people in the altar, I learned um, from Chaplain Brewster. Um, in the little bit of time that I got to see him, I, I it, he, although he only spent a little bit of time with me, the the time that he spent, I, I think he redeemed the time. He always had something to say to help disciple me and and help me along the way. And I thought this morning about just how important this concept that we're teaching right now is. And if you if you're not if you weren't here last week, you don't know where. We're actually teaching over the next few months on this book, Follow to Lead, uh, by Stan Gleason. Again, it's called Follow to Lead uh, by Stan Gleason, and it is, it's an amazing book. And it talks about the culture that we should be trying to create in the church. And we talked last week about how uh, we wanted to have net break and revival. We, 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 you know, Pastor and I both believe that that's what God wants to do. Um, and the way that we do that is by creating a culture of discipleship and not only making disciples, but making disciple makers. And so I encourage you, especially if you're a leader in the church, to to get this book. If you can, you can get it on Kindle uh, for like 13 or 14 dollars. You may be able to get it cheaper on Amazon if you buy the paperback version. It's absolutely a, a good, uh, good book to help us uh, create the culture that we really need to create. And, and we have some of that already going. Uh, but we can always get a little bit better. Um, and so we find within our Great Commission the mission that we have, but also the methodology. And so we're going to start with our text um, again at the beginning. Now, I'm, I'm just continuing the lesson that we didn't finish last week. Um, so if it looks familiar, um, I'm just going to hit the highlights of what we covered last week. And um, then we will uh, move on to the rest of the, the lesson and we should be able to get through all of it tonight. Um, hopefully, we'll have a little bit of time for some discussion at the end um, to really figure out what we can do to um, get our boots on the ground when it comes to this type of stuff. If we're going to say that our theme for this year is, is boots on the ground, is engage boots on the ground, then how can we get our boots on the ground, especially when it relates to this, this lesson? And so hopefully, we'll be able to get some good discussion going um, Throughout the lesson, but at the end as well. Um, our scripture text is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And we know that that name is Jesus. There, there's only one name, um, and that name is Jesus. Teaching them to observe all things 
whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Verse 19 in the New King James Version uh, says, "Make disciple, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so that's what we're talking about. And then we, we used another verse that um, kind of you, you kind of wonder, like, why is that verse linked in there? But the first part of Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, and those verses flow together simply in the fact that we have to get the, the mindset of Matthew 28, 18 through 20 in order for us to really be the church that God wants us to be. So we've got to think right um, here to get it in our heart to to create that culture and to make it a lifestyle. Amen. And so we said that true revival requires a culture of discipleship, culture being designed, being uh, defined as our, our attitude and the values that we operate with in order for the church to accomplish the task that is set before us. We said we have to create the right culture and then we have to live that culture, those values out um, consistently. And then we said that our example is more important than what we say. So when we're trying to lead, uh, we have to lead by example. Uh, we said specifically that the church needs to, to develop a culture of disciple making. And then we defined a disciple as being someone who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. And so we said in order to be a disciple maker, I've got to first be a disciple. And a disciple is is really has two layers to it. One of them is accepting the doctrine by believing it and obeying it. And the next part is to spread the doctrine by teaching it to others. So it's not just for me to repent and be, and be baptized in Jesus name for the remission of my sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now I need to go out and teach other people that they need to do that as well, that that's the only plan of salvation, that that we can't find salvation anywhere else. But in doing those those things, we have to get out there and we have to teach it, especially as there is a lot of false teaching out there. When it comes to salvation, there's a lot of people out there that says all you have to do is believe and confess and you'll be a Christian. Well, no, you're not. You might. Uh, claim to be a Christian, but you've got to do more than believe and confess. And if you truly believe and truly confess that he's the Lord, then you're going to do what he said to do. And he said, you must be born of water and spirit. You need to be baptized in Jesus name. You need to repent of your sins and you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we need to make sure that we're teaching that to others. Um, we said that doctrine is more than something that we must do and obey, but it's also something we must live. Right. It, it's not just something we have to do, but it's something that we have to live. And then we said, if we really want to see revival, not only must we make disciples. But we need to make we need to make disciple makers or develop disciple makers. We said that thinking precipitates behavior as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. Um, and so discipleship is all about helping people reach their God given destiny. And we need to be able to you should have somebody under your wing that you are trying your best to help them reach their God given destiny. We said that every church is different and therefore each church's biography because we entitled this lesson um, writing the church biography. So the biography of our church is going to be a little bit different than the biography of other churches. 
the church in West Hartford is going to look a little different and act a little different than we do. Now, we're going to be the same in doctrine, but we might be a little bit different in the way we do things. And there's nothing wrong with that because God's going to give each pastor um, a vision and wisdom and each leadership team and each church uh, wisdom and how to reach uh, those that they're called to reach. And so we might not do things like everyone else, but we ought to be preaching the same message. And so what works for one church might not work for another church. Right. Um, And so we said that. So we said, while the biography will be different, the theology must be the same. And by theology, we're not just talking about the doctrine, but we're talking about um, the the right practice or the right biology in our local congregation. We we, we've got to have that theology or that mindset that the way we do things, that set of values. and, And we need to value disciple making above anything else. Because that's our mission as a church. And if that's the church's mission, then it ought to be each member of the church's mission, right? It, it ought to be. Uh, so it, I said that if my mindset is on discipleship, then I will start living a life that is characterized by discipling behaviors, reaching out to those who need it, seeing when someone needs help and trying to step in and help, uh, testifying to people, uh, sharing my testimony to someone who may be going through something that I've been through. Right. And then we said discipleship should come naturally. Uh, we talked about how when a baby is born, it can't survive on its own. So the natural process of parenthood and human growth and development is actually a model of discipleship. A baby cannot survive on its own. It needs it needs the help of the parents. And when we uh, when, when someone receives the Holy Ghost, when they get baptized in Jesus name, um, they are a new baby in christ and they need to be developed and they need nurture they need constant attention they've got to be able to be shown the way and we have to do that um so uh, we we said that acts 238 is just the beginning of their life and it's up to the church to make sure that they get the rest of their life in line amen without teaching and discipleship from those in the family the new convert has no chance of survival in the kingdom of god and then we said that discipleship is not Discipleship is not solely the responsibility of the pastor. <laughs> I said it takes a village. <laughs> uh, we, we all need to help. We're all responsible for discipling others. If you are a part, and, I, and, and I wanna, I'm going to emphasize this again. If you are a part of this church when someone is born again, you automatically become partially responsible for their growth and development. Because we're all in this together. And whether you want, Brother Vernon had brought up the point of whether or not you want to be a disciple maker, you kind of are. Because people are watching you. Um, and so uh, new converts are going to look around at others, and you are one of those that they're going to they're gonna see. And so ask yourself the question, what kind of example am I setting? Am I cognizant or am I aware of? Of the fact that I am a living epistle, not just to the unsaved, but also to those that are younger than me in the church. There are people that are watching you even in the church and and those new converts are going to look around and they're going to they're going to look at you and they're going to say, wow, okay, that's how I need to act. That's how I need to dress. That's how I need to worship. That, that's how, and, and they, I'm not saying that they want to, that they need to become clones of us. We, we mentioned that, but they're going to be watching us to see what's acceptable and what's not, what's tolerable and what's not, what's encouraged and what isn't. And we began to talk about the theology of discipleship. 
We said that Jesus gave us the right theology when he commanded us uh, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we went going through, we talked about how tradition gets in the way sometimes. We need to get rid of tradition um, and, and not let tradition hold us back. Not get rid of all tradition because some tradition is good. But understand that there are some things in tradition that are not good. And we need to let go of that so that we can think the way God wants us to think and do things the way that he wants us to do them. And then we talked about how fellowship is a crucial part of discipleship. Fellowship is a crucial part of discipleship. We said that it was a critical part of the success of the early church. We said that doctrine and fellowship were continued in, along with the breaking of bread and prayers. We talked about how that fellowship and breaking of bread are mentioned separately, meaning they are two different things. And sometimes we think that breaking of bread and fellowship are the same thing. And while they are related, they're not necessarily the same thing. And so as we get into the lesson further tonight, we're going to discover some of the differences. And, and, and there's some overlaps, but we're going to see what each one really means. We said that fellowship um, has several layers of meaning. It means that there's joint participation. We're part of a community. Um, and so the doctrine of fellowship refers to joint participation. We all need to be a part of this thing. And we all need to be participating. That's why Paul used the analogy of the body. We said that fellowship is an intimate bond which unites a group together. And that bond is created when we spend time with one another. You can't spend that bond, that, that you can't create that bond if you're not spending time with one another. And, and we said that a couple minutes after church on Sunday morning is not all there is to fellowship. Um, and so then we said that fellowship needs to extend beyond the walls of the church. We also said that fellowship is a joint contribution that serves as a proof of fellowship. Fellowship is a mutual contribution from all parties, and the proof of your fellowship is found in what you contribute. That was one of the last things that we mentioned. What are We asked the question, what, what are you contributing? Or I asked you to ask yourself the question, what am I contributing to the fellowship of the body? Um, and then we said that it takes more than a couple of meetings each week to hear some anointed preaching and teaching to create true fellowship. And then we said that true fellowship should take place primarily outside the full four walls of the church. Because it said it was continued in daily. And they weren't at the church every single day. They weren't at the synagogue and the temple every single day. But fellowship is supposed to be a daily thing. And that's where we left off. Um, and so we, we are on letter E where it says the breaking of bread is a crucial part of discipleship. The breaking of bread is a crucial part of discipleship. Anybody know what page that is in your lesson? Page six in your lesson. Letter E, the breaking of bread is a crucial part of discipleship. Now, Acts 2 and 42 refers to the breaking of bread. Now, notice it says the breaking of bread, which is specific to the Lord's Supper or communion. Um, it's very specific because it mentions, and, and when you, you have to really look into the Greek language, but that article, the, when it says the breaking of bread, it's a very specific article, and it's referring to a specific thing. So one of the things that they continued in was in the Lord's Supper or in communion. Now that's one thing that they did regularly. And then in Acts 2.46, it says that they continued breaking bread 
from house to house, but this time it's without that specific article in the Greek. And you don't, you don't see the word the in the English translation. There's a reason for that because they, they did a good job of translating that. Um, when, they, when those King James uh, folks did it, they did a good job of translating that because that word, that article the is not in there. Breaking of bread, um, it's, it's not referring to a specific bread as opposed to in verse 42 when it said the breaking of bread or breaking of the bread. It, it's, it's, um, it's different. It, this is not a specific thing. And most likely, this refers to simply getting together to eat, going to Friendly's for ice cream after church, or getting together for coffee on a Tuesday morning, or getting together on a Friday night and going out for pizza or something. Um, it is stated by Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, by the way, that this was done daily, inferring that it was not just on Sundays at church. There's a lot of culture in, in a lot of churches now where um, they just have monthly or even weekly fellowships, quote-unquote fellowship. They have potlucks or they have dinners at the church, and, and they say that that's fellowship because they do it on Sunday. Well, yeah, there's fellowship involved in that, but that's not all there is to fellowship. Uh, we've done things like fellowship on purpose where we try to take the last Sunday of or the fifth Sunday, whenever there's a fifth Sunday, we try to take that Sunday and have a fellowship event because we're trying to make sure that we're intentional in creating fellowship, but it can't always be on a Saturday or it can't always be on a Sunday. It needs to be happening from day to day to day. And then it said it was done from house to house. So it wasn't just at the church. So the culture of the church should be such that more ministry takes place outside of our church services and walls than inside them. Does everybody know where we're at right now? Letter E, the you know capital letter E under point number two, uh, little letter D there. The culture of the church should be such that more ministry takes place outside of church services and walls than inside them. So let me ask you a question. It's not in your notes, but I wanted to foster a little more discussion. So what kind of ministry takes place outside the church walls? the red way outreach that's a great one what else sister veronica discipleship absolutely what kinds of things do we do outside the church walls sister ellen we cheer on wednesdays what else evangelism <laughs> evangelism she didn't say vandalism brother steve she said evangelism Vandalism hopefully takes place outside the church, not inside the church, but I hope you're not vandalizing the church or anywhere else for that matter, but that's not really ministry, at least not godly ministry. <laughs> Brother Al, did you, did you have your hand up? So I remember a time when Brother Al and Brother Justin and I sat outside in the rain at Brother Justin's or Brother Al's house and uh, changed the brakes on my car. Yeah, thank you. That was, that was ministry. That's ministry. It was warm. Yeah, it was a warm rain. It wasn't cold and freezing, and, and it, wasn't, it actually was pretty fun. <laughs> but, well, Justin did most of the work now, but <laughs> probably Justin. But, but we had, you know, we, we, had a, we had a good time, and, and, but that was fellowship. We, we were fellowshipping. We were talking, we, and, and we were, he, they were helping me meet a need that I had at that time. What, what else? 
What, can, what, what ministry can we do outside the walls of the church? Hospital visits, groceries for somebody that needs them. Absolutely. This is all ministry, by the way. We, we get this false idea that ministry only happens in the pulpit. No. Ministry is only when you're teaching a Sunday school class. Yes, that's ministry, but there's more to it, Sister Marie. Sending notes, calling people, texting them, um, touching base with them. Absolutely. Brother Andres. Just listening to somebody. Not only calling them, but allowing them to call you. And then, you know, you don't always have to use words. Sometimes somebody just needs needs a listening ear. Absolutely. Did I see your hand, Sister Maria? You, you you created a connection you spent time together once again we said that you can't right Absolutely. So, yes, it is helping to meet needs of others, but it doesn't always have to be that. You know, we're, we're supposed to be a family, and we're, we're supposed to spend time together, and we, we're supposed to have a, a, a bond with each other. We're supposed to have a connection, and that only happens when we spend time with one another. And that spending time doesn't have to always be, you know, having a prayer meeting or, you know, having a Holy Ghost rally or praying somebody through the Holy Ghost or, you know, anything ministry-wise. It could just be creating a friendship so let me ask you this and, and I'll get to you in just, just a moment does your fellowship always have to include someone in the church now that's primarily what it's referring to but as we're going to discover later as we read this book many times discipleship starts by simply making a friend if I can become friends with somebody, my, my neighbor across the street or next door or the librarian that I see when I go to the library or the, the clerk at the grocery store or the waitress at the restaurant that I go to pretty often or, or a coworker, if I can develop a friendship, then that gives me an avenue to eventually minister to them. That's part of fellowship, I think. Uh, and, and so I think we, we, we need to understand what, what, where we're at here. We, we get this idea that fellowship is just getting together with people in the church after church or whatever, but it's, it's more than that. Sister Veronica.
A- absolutely. Absolutely. Sister Marie, did I see your hand as well? Oh, you were just pointing. Okay, yeah, I had seen it. I just wanted to make sure that I that I got the words that I need to get out before I forgot it because, you know, I'm getting old and I forget stuff sometimes. So, so notice that Acts 2.46 also states that this breaking of bread and eating of meat was done with gladness and singleness of heart. I'm back in the notes now on number three there. That refers to the extreme joy that was experienced when breaking of bread took place. It's also ref- it also refers to the unity in which this practice was rooted and the unity that it created. The unity that it was rooted in because we're unified we're we're fellowshipping together we're spending time together because we are unified but then also what flows from that is a fact that not only are we fellowshipping because we're unified but because we're fellowshipping we are unified does that make sense do you see both sides of that it's kind of like the which came first the chicken or the egg right <laughs> but but you see both sides of that right you we we fellowship because we are unified but then we are unified because we fellowship and we got to start somewhere <laughs> so it comes from it comes from kind of both sides and and then it flows and it's kind of like a circle that just goes around and around and around amen does that make sense everybody got that all right so number 6 there it says more discipleship should occur at rebel dog than in the walls of the church <laughs> Or Starbucks or or friendlies or you know, look, we we have such an advantage living in an urban area. I mean, we really do. There's all kinds of places for us to break bread, all kinds of places for us to participate in fellowship. We got Starbucks and we have Dunkin' Donuts and we have Wendy's and we have McDonald's and we have Chili's and we have Walnut Hill Park and Stanley Quarter Park and A.W. Stanley Park and West Farms Mall and Meriden Mall and Buckland Hills. And there's a Christian bookstore in and um, over by Christmas Tree Shops in Manchester. There's there's um, all kinds of places that that we can fellowship. We We have an advantage living in an urban area there there's really no excuse for us not to be able to find something to do i know that that brother al um their their family usually buys season passes to lake compounds and uh i think brother eddie and sister grissel's family they'll go a lot out to lake compounds that's fellowship too and sometimes they'll even take my kids along when there's a birthday party or something and i'm like hey, you know that's cool and they're actually creating fellowship for my children which is awesome it's a great thing and, and so there, there's so many things that that, that we can do, we really don't have any excuse not to fellowship. You're all thinking like, well, you know, there's this and there's this. You can find something to do, even if it just means taking a walk in the neighborhood. You can find something, even if you don't have any money, you can find something to do. It doesn't cost anything to go to Walnut Hill and, and walk around the park or sit on the bench at you know, somewhere and, and watch people fish at Stanley Quarter or or whatever. Or, or you know, you can just watch, watch go on a Saturday and watch some of the kids play baseball at, at Martha Hart Park or at, or at um, Stanley Quarter or A.W. Stanley. They're, they're playing baseball all the time. Uh, they just, just go out, you know, somebody, hey, you know what, let's go take a baseball game in. Well, I don't have any money. Well, it's not going to cost anything. It's a little league. Go watch, and you might not even know any of the kids, but hey, and you and who knows? While you're there, you're fellowshipping. You might run into somebody that can become a disciple. 
You see what I'm saying? We got to get the right mindset. We, we get so caught up in our own busy lives sometimes that we forget why we're here. And, and granted, you got to take care of your family first, and you got to work. Right? I'm, not, I'm not trying to say don't do any of those things, but what can you do to still be part of this mission and fulfill this mission? Right? You, you need to think about that, and you need to try to create that mindset. Sister Trine, did I see your hand? There you go. You're, you're, you're forced. Well, there's a, there's a difference in. <laughs> Shira, don't talk any louder than normal because that might hurt somebody. <laughs> but such a trying, that's not really letting people eavesdrop. That's making them eavesdrop. But, hey, captive audience right now. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> hey, though, but, hey, why not? Why not? Right, Sister Ellen. Not everybody can do that, because if I try to walk down there and sing, they'll be like, dude, be quiet. It's hurting my ears. <laughs> but use the gift that God has given you, right? All right. Oh, Brother Vernon, yes. Absolutely. When you go shopping, go grocery shopping. You know, you can, I mean, I've, I've had several conversations with people just because, fortunately, although I wish they would do this all the time, but many times we'll be in the grocery store, we'll be at a restaurant or something, and my kids will actually be behaving, and and I get compliments. And I'm like, wow, you know. And sometimes that opens up a conversation and lets us invite them to church or, or you know, something just because, you know, my kids are actually behaving. I'm like, wow. You know, so, hey, what a miracle. No, <laughs> no. My kids are pretty good, I must admit. But at home it's a whole other story sometimes, <laughs> Just a word to parents. The hard work that you do at home will pay off, I promise. It really will. And we've, we've even had our meal comp to us sometimes because of how well-behaved our kids were. And I'm not bragging, you know, in a sense of trying to make myself look good, but I'm trying to encourage a parent somewhere. The hard work that you're putting in at home, it's going to pay off, all right? It, it, it's going to pay off, all right? That's, that, that was free. That wasn't in the notes. No. So let me ask you this question. What are some things that stop us from taking ministry outside the church walls? What was it? I heard somebody. Pride. Pride. Absolutely. Sister Marie, and then I'll get Brother Andres.
and you don't necessarily have to do it. So that's a good point is let's break that mindset that you always have to spend money to, ha to have fellowship. Right. And it could be pride in, in a sense. It's breaking that pride, but it's also just maybe not understanding or not, not realizing. And if you need pointers on how to do that, my wife and I, are, you know, can, can probably offer you pointers on what to do when you don't have money. So <laughs> <laughs> we've learned by experience many ways. So, um, so, you know, just so there's that. So what are some things that uh, let me get to Brother Andre's. And then I, I saw your hands, Sister Veronica. I'll, I'll get to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's a really good point. You know, in order to do this, sometimes we just got to step outside our comfort zone. And and guess what? We should be doing that in the church walls, too. When there's a guest, we should be stepping outside our comfort zone. Some of you, it comes very natural to, and some of you, it doesn't. Like Brother Andre said, when there's a guest, at we, as many people as, as can ought to be reaching out to those guests, welcoming them, letting them know we're glad they're here, um, offering to help if they if they need, you know, if they need to know if they have kids, like letting them help, you know, offering to help them get to their su their kids to the Sunday school classes or, you know, it, it's pretty easy in our church to figure out where the bathrooms are because you have to walk by them when you come in, but they might have missed it. They might need to know where the bathroom is. They might, you know, they might want to know what the service times are or, or when do the youth meet or whatever. Hey, you know, we need to connect with them and, and, and be able to do that. And I saw your hand, Sister Ellen, but I got to get Sister Veronica first, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I know I, I know I got your hand, Sister Ellen, I, I haven't forgotten, but let, let, let's just address that for a moment. Um, that's exactly what needs to we need to first admit that we might have that. But there's people here right now that can help others with that. So when we're talking about discipleship, um, you ought to have people. And I'm not saying you got to meet with somebody every single day or even every single week. But there ought to be people at different levels that you're connected to that you are discipling. You know, there might be someone that you meet with, you know, once every two or three months to, to, to get together with them sometimes. And, and, and there's some discipleship that happens there. There might be somebody that you need to meet with on a weekly basis because they're, they're, they need help. But, you know, and there might be some. And, and so you need, you need to be discipling people, and there's going to be people at different levels. There are going to be people that are kind of on par with you, on, on, on an equal standing with you that, that you need to fellowship with as well because iron sharpens iron. Then there's going to be uh, those people that are coming up under you, but there's also going to be those people you need to fellowship with that are mentoring and discipling you. So if you're not being discipled, you're not going to be able to disciple very far. right? So there's all of that. And if the church is doing its job as a body of Christ, then we will, um, we're not going to eliminate that fear of not really knowing because everyone's, there's always going to be people at different levels. But we're going to reduce it a little bit and we're going to minimize it a little bit and we're going to and we're going to be helping. And so and so that I mean, I think there's a really good point. And, and if I don't know something, I should find someone to disciple me. And ask those questions. 
and get in the word and study for myself and and um and then when i d- when i have questions when i don't understand hey ask ask the questions find somebody that that c- that'll spend some time with you um and and help you with with the things that you're going through with the things that you don't understand so that you you lose that embarrassment a little bit or that that fear a little bit of of not being ready to answer the question that does that make sense this is the culture we're trying to create um, I, I don't want anybody to ever say that they couldn't get their questions answered because there's plenty of people in the church that can answer our questions. All right, I know there's a lot of hands that I need to get to. Sister Ellen was first, then I saw Brother Vernon and Sister Marie. And did I see your hand, Sister Maria, as well? Oh, you were just stretching. Okay, so I got three in, in the queue here. Brother Vernon. I mean, Sister Ellen, sorry. So, yes, we do need to greet one another. We should be doing that. And if this is back to that we're unified because we fellowship and we're fellowship because we're unified. If we're fellowshipping Monday through Saturday, it's not going to be a problem to greet each other on Sunday. You're not going to be able to greet everybody, though. But I, I will say this. We need to create a culture that the first priority is to greet the guests. We can greet each other. We should be greeting each other. Other times. I'm not saying don't talk to each other on Sunday. Don't. Pastor would kick me out of my position as assistant pastor if I said that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, and and I w- I w- he wouldn't have to kick me out. I would, I would step down if I had that mindset because I wouldn't be in the right mindset. But we do need to greet one another. And we need to be able to talk to one another and spend time with one another. But on Sundays, especially on Sunday mornings when we have those guests, that needs to be our priority. Is making sure we're reaching out to them. Um, because... We should already have a culture where we're fellowshipping and greeting one another um, on a regular basis. So I'm not discounting what you're saying. It's true. But first, our guests, and then we'll, we'll greet one another. So especially, like, after service. I mean, I, it, you know, we've got to make sure that we're trying to catch them. Some of them come in a little later, or some of y'all come in a little bit later, and you might not be able to, to greet them before service. So catch them after service. Right, I say y'all um, because... I try not to be late. I hate being late, but I'm I'm late sometimes, right? So we, some of us, are late sometimes, um, and so we might not catch them before before the service. Or some of us are really busy before the service, getting ready for the service. So you might not be able to catch them before. So after service, make it your priority to make a beeline for our guests. You know, I'd like it to, to get us to a point where our guests are literally there's like line of people waiting to talk to them. Right? I mean that would that would be awesome. I mean that's kind of the, the vision of this. We should be able to see that. That w- that would be awesome. All right, um, and then we can get in line to talk to one another. All right, nothing wrong with that. All right, Brother Vernon, you were next. Uh, absolutely, I, and I did mean to say that. absolutely, absolutely.
Absolutely. Very good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And should be, and should be absolutely. That's a great point, and that that's a and that, you know that that'll preach. <laughs> that's you know we could talk about that for a really long time. Right? Yes, Sister Marie, you are next. just rush out of here because you've got a roast at home that you're trying to hurry up or you're trying to get the Red Robin really fast. But, you know, it's okay to stick around in fellowship until I start flashing the lights and tell you it's time to go. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Sister Marie, go ahead.
so that brings up you know one that I was going to talk about was fear of rejection. Sometimes we 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 take we stop we don't want to take ministry outside the walls of the church because we fear we're going to be rejected or whatever. But again, a, as Sister Marie s- you know really really said it well, they're not rejecting you anyway. So if we can get that mindset out, we will be okay. Again, it's 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 as we think in our heart, you know. So so are we, and so that's where we where we have to get. Th- again, we're still, still talking about the question. I saw your hand, Brother Carlos. I'm going to get to you. Um, we're still talking about the question here. What are some things that stop us from taking men to take outside take church walls? And it's fostered a lot of, a lot of good discussions. Brother Carlos. Amen. We, we need to be bold. And sometimes we have to pray for boldness because sometimes we're not. So, you know, I'm not always bold, so I got to pray for it. How, you know, Lord, give me boldness. And the early church prayed that prayer. Lord, let us give boldness that in the face of the persecution, no matter what they do to us, even if they behead us or crucify us upside down, we're still going to preach this message. You know, we're going to we, we're going to obey God rather than men. So let me just go ahead and have the boldness to to stand and still do what I'm supposed to do. Did I see your hand, Sister Maria? So a great avenue for a home Bible study. And by the way, you might not get them to church for a long time. Right? But you might be able to get them into a, a home Bible study or a fellowship, you know, a, a little bit easier. And that's okay, too. And I love what you said, Sister Maria, about um, I don't know the answer, but maybe we can get together and study it together and find the answer together. I love that. Home Bible study, right? Or, or whatever. Like, we can— we can do that, or you know, let's let's go to you know Panera Bread, and you know we can just order something small, and 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 we can sit there, and we can stay as long as we want to, and and we can just sit there and have a Bible study in Panera Bread, and we can we can find the answer ourselves. That being said, um, it's not about the church; it is about Jesus. But I hope you're not ashamed to 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 you know put our church out there. Yeah, I know what you're saying from the mindset, but yeah, yes, exactly. Absolutely. No, a- absolutely. Some are ready to be invited to church because they're looking for a church, and some don't want to darken the doors of a church. And so, let, let, let's get them into a, a Bible study somehow, or or just a felt, you know, you know, just a conversation. Again, it starts with friendship. It starts l- l- build a friendship first, make a connection first, 
And we'll get that more as we get in, in you know, further in into the book. Again, I encourage you to get it and read it for yourself. It'll help you understand what we're talking about a little bit better. But um, it'll absolutely help us uh, 100%. Just make connections, and it'll lead to, it'll lead to hopefully, eventually, um, you know, a home Bible study. Then it, then it may, hey, they might show up for church. And, you know, they, they might get the Holy Ghost and get baptized before they ever come to church. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, hopefully that'll lead to them coming to church eventually, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, baptizing them and them getting the Holy Ghost and they haven't come to church yet. You know, Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, but Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of the wilderness somewhere and never saw him again. As far as we know, he got the Holy Ghost and got baptized and right there. And we don't know whether he ever saw him again, but he didn't wait for him to get to the church because he might not have gotten. Now, I see your hand, Brother Carlos. We got to get to Brother Vernon first. Great discussion, by the way. I love it. Absolutely. Man, I wish I was better at that. You're absolutely right. You're 100% right, Brother Vernon. And, I, and I'm sorry if I cut you off, but you're absolutely right. Um, I wish I was better at doing that. <laughs> you're right. Of, of, you know, but, you know, we get what? Busy. And we go to the grocery store, and especially us guys, we get tunnel vision. I got to go get some sour cream and some guacamole for the fajitas, and I'm going to turn around. I'm going to get right out of there, and I'm going to drive back home, and I'm not even looking at anybody when I walk by, and I'm not. I just want to go. I'm going to get to the self-checkout as I can. You can like that or not like it. My wife doesn't like self-checkout, and I understand why. Um, but I'm just trying to get in there and get out of there as soon as I can so I can get back because there's fajitas waiting for me, and I'm hungry to eat. I'm, I'm busy. I got this to go. That, that's on my calendar, and this is on my calendar. Sometimes the reason we don't take ministry outside the church walls is because we're simply too busy. So we need to find a way to slow down a little bit. I know, Al. It's not easy. <gasps> See me afterwards. I actually do. Um, we don't have time to get into that tonight, but I, I actually have something for you. Um, that it, not, not in a bad sense, but just something that might, that might help you um, when, when it comes to that. It's you got to prioritize. We'll, we'll put it that way. First of all, you got to prioritize. And sometimes you simply have to say, you know what? That's really not a priority, and I don't have to do that. Sometimes what you have to do in your life is you have to make a list of priorities. Well, first of all, so, okay, maybe we have time to get into it a little bit, but make a list of everything that you've got going on, everything that you're doing. Some of you, it's going to take a few pages, but hey, let's just be real, right? It's just the way it is, right? Make a list of everything you've got going on. 
And then you're going to have, you, and it's going to take time to do this, so you're going to have to make time to do this, right? So I'm adding another task for you to figure out how to not be busy, right? But prioritize this one, and it'll help you get rid of some other ones that aren't as essential as you think they are. Make a list of everything that you're doing, and then prioritize them. And if you're married, you probably need to do that with your spouse. Prioritize it. What is the most important? And prioritize it according to scriptural principles. And again, if you're married, in agreement with your spouse as much as you can. Um, and, and then, at some point, you're just going to have to say, okay, you know, priorities 1 through 15 are, I got to do those things, boom. But, you know, 16 through 93... They're not necessary, necessary, necessary. So if something's got to fall through the cracks, it's going to be 16 through 93. All right? And, that, and, and sometimes that means you might have to say no to somebody. I see your hand, Sister Ellen. I got to get to Brother Carlos first. <laughs> so, okay, so that that's probably a whole other class in and of itself. And by the way, we're actually starting a series in um, in September that's going to help us with some of these things. Uh, if anybody's interested in a, in a really good read, uh, pick up the book called The Emotionally Healthy Church, um, and uh, that will uh, that will prepare you a little bit. But um, anyway, that that that's we got to find time. If you're too busy to make a disciple, then you're too busy. Just like if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to come to church, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to teach a home Bible study, you're too busy. Got to we we got to prioritize. All right, um, and so. Okay, Brother Carlos, let me get to you, and then, um, and then we. Nobody's going to tell you to take off your hat. Well, somebody might tell you to, but let's just understand. So I, I, I'm going to let you finish, but let's just understand that not everyone's going to have the same standard you have, and we don't want to run people off by forcing our standards on them the minute they walk in the door. All right, let's get Jesus on the inside first and then let him work on the outside. Amen. Can we just agree to that? Let's get Jesus, let's help them get Jesus on the inside and let him work on the outside. Yeah, we'll teach standards and we'll teach modesty and we'll teach the principles of holiness that we need to teach, but let's get Jesus on the inside first and he'll do most of that work for us. Hey Amen. If someone wants to wear a hat in here, then, you know, yeah, I, I think it, by respect we ought to take our hat off when we come in the sanctuary, man. I, you know, but, and, and, but I'm not going to kick somebody out of here because they won't take their baseball cap off. Sorry. They might have an ugly scar they don't want people to see. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to embarrass somebody and do that. Let, let's just, let's come to that agreement. Can, can, can we do that? I'm sorry, Brother Carlos, you want to finish or did I?
and some of the small things. So, so by the way, discipleship doesn't have. Now, sometimes it takes time, and, and discipleship over the long haul is going to take time. But your intentional discipleship efforts on a weekly basis don't necessarily have to be an hour-long Bible study. There should be some of that in there, you know, and you could, should do that when you can and when you have the opportunities. But, you know, a simple five minutes to text somebody a thought that came to your mind, a scripture that you had that you think might, that's part of discipleship as well. So don't get the mindset that you, you have to carve out five hours a week for, for discipleship. If you can do that, that's great. That's awesome. But you don't necessarily have to do that. Sometimes it's just a simple phone call to say, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm praying about you. Are you all right? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can help you pray about? That's discipleship too. Yes, Brother Andres. Don't knock her out, man. Come on. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to come speak in tongues too? Come on. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love the excitement that we have around this subject. It's it's fantastic and we need to we need to do this cuz this is what's going to bring us church growth. This is what's going to bring us revival. This is what's going to really help us be the church that God wants us to be. And I know Marie that we we got to move on. I'm working on it. Um I've only got through like a page and a half of notes, so we got to move on. All right, so the theology of discipleship is also this letter. I think it's F in your notes. It might say G. It says G in mine, but I think it was supposed to be F. It says, ministry is not just for the preachers. <laughs> ministry is not just for the preachers. In the early church, it was not only the expectation, but also the experience that all born-again believers did ministry. And I don't know about you, but we need to get back to our roots the book of Acts. I'm going to give you a homework assignment at the end about that, but we need to get back to our roots. The word minister was originally a verb that meant to serve. Somewhere along the way, the church turned it into a noun and a title. Minister so-and-so, evangelist this, prophet this, pastor this. and Yeah, those, those are biblical terms, but, you know, minister doesn't, it's not a noun, it's, it's a verb, and it means to serve. The fivefold ministry mentioned in Ephesians 4 and 11, when we talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, provided leadership for the rest of the church. And this is a key point. You can underline it, circle it, highlight it, whatever you want to do, put it on Facebook, whatever. Ministry was shared by all. Ministry was shared by all. That's the book of Acts model. That's the church biography. That's the identity that we ought to have as a church, that ministry is shared by all. 
The purpose of the fivefold ministry is found in Scripture, Ephesians 4, 12 through 15, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Maybe highlight that. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So the fivefold ministry's purpose is to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. The job of the fivefold ministry was to help saints mature, to promote unity, to equip saints to minister, to empower saints to minister. Notice that. To equip saints to minister and to empower saints to minister and to help saints become stable and rooted firmly in doctrine. So quickly, what is the work of the ministry? When we say the work of the ministry, what are we talking about? Everybody working together to do what? Winning souls? Sister Maria? Warning people Jesus is coming. Discipling people. Making disciples. Connecting. Helping meet needs of people. Organize. Sometimes part of the work of the ministry is to organize things. To serve. To labor. That's what work means, right? Is to labor. To do the work that needs to be done. There's work that needs to be done. And we've all got to work together to do it. The apostles equipped, empowered, and released saints to minister. These leaders of the early church placed a lot of confidence in their saints. They knew what they had invested in them. And they trusted the God that they served to lead and guide them to use the things that were entrusted to them wisely. That's not in your notes, but it's important. They knew what they put in them. And they trusted the God that inspired them to put it in them to empower them and allow them to use what they were giving properly. And that's where we need to get to. Pastor and I are committed to doing this. We're going to have more formalized leadership training and more formalized ministerial training and more formalized um, ways to help develop all of us so that we can do the work of ministry and that's our commitment to you we're going to work on it we're actually working on a leadership boot camp that's going to be coming up soon and there's some things that are going to be happening to help us all get ready so that we can equip you to do the work of the ministry as well as us sister ellen quickly yes yeah because we can't do it all um the result was explosive revival with daily additions to the church. You can look at Acts chapter 6 for a great story about explosive results as a result of proper discipleship. If you look in the in Acts chapter 6, there was there were needs that needed to be met. Specifically in that case, it was widows that weren't being served properly. Um, and I don't have to get into details to explain it all, but there was all this kind of stuff that was going on. And, and back in that culture, the if you were a widow... You didn't get anything, and, and so somebody had to take care of you. And if it wasn't your family, then the church, in, in the, it was created this culture in the church where widows were being taken care of. Well, 
um, the Gentile widows were being put on a lower burner than the the Jewish widows and all this stuff was was happening. And 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 there were some complaints that came, complaints that came forth. And the, the apostles said, hold on a second. I don't even have time to study the word and prepare a message. I don't have time to teach Bible studies. I don't have time to to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing uh, to, to really study the word and minister the word. So we need to work together to make sure this work of the ministry is getting done. So what did they do? They appointed some deacons. And they put these deacons together and the deacons started working. And the next thing you know, the deacons are teaching Bible studies and the deacons. Are, Philip was a deacon before he was an evangelist. There's a message in that for a leader there. You want a ministry, be a deacon first. In other words, be, be a servant first, clean some toilets first and wait some tables first and teach some Bible studies first. And, and, and your ministry will come eventually if you, if you do those things. Stephen was, uh, was one of these deacons and he never got the title of evangelist or anything. And yet he's one of the most famous characters in the New Testament. One of the most powerful preachers that was out there. His ministry didn't last very long because he got stoned to death, but he was still one of the most powerful ones. And this explosive revival happened because they appointed people and they they released them to do ministry. And the Bible says that the word of God increased. And the number of disciples was multiplied. And the priests and many of the priests were obedient to the faith. What does that mean here? Well, that means, number one, that the word of God is going to increase. So the word of God is going to to be heard in more places than it can be just by us preaching on Sunday morning because there's more home Bible studies being taught. There's more things happening outside the walls of the church. There's explosive results because more people are hearing the word because it's not just the pastor and the assistant pastor and the licensed ministers that are out there preaching and teaching the word. And then the word of God increases. Now the number of disciples increases. Why? Because I'm not the only one making disciples, but Brother Al is making a disciple, and Brother Redway's making a disciple, and Sister Safina's making a disciple, and Sister Shira's making a disciple, and everybody's making disciples, so the number of disciples increases. Therefore, then the number of disciple makers increases, and then all these priests that were obedient to the faith, you know what the Lord told me today? He said, you know what that is? That's your denominal churches that are getting the revelation of the truth. If we will get this... If we will get this, this culture and get it created, we'll see explosive revival. The theology of discipleship includes everyone being equipped, empowered. Man, I did not get through this at all. Equipped, empowered, and released to minister. And that's the culture we want to create. Number 12 there. Now, there's a there's a typo there. It's, it's a misspelled word, but and it's in there twice, but we'll fix it. Um, number 12 there. It is a wonderful thing when the saints believe in the pastor. It's. P-A-S-T-O-R, by the way. I don't know how spell check missed that. But it is a wonderful thing when the saints believe in the pastor, but it is even more wonderful when the pastor believes in the saints. And by the way, I believe in you, and your pastor believes in you. Amen? Unfortunately, traditional and historical church tradition has gotten away from that theology. There's That's why the Catholic Church is, is so bound up in all the traditions that they're bound in because they created this... this um, this culture where only the priests could read the word. The common man couldn't read the word and they burned Bibles and they did all this thing to get rid of all these books and that's what introduced the dark ages and even though we've come out of the dark ages there's a lot of tradition that came out of the dark ages that are still rooted so deeply. That doctrine of the, of the Trinity, that false doctrine of the Trinity is, is rooted so deeply because people, because the clergy decided that common people couldn't read the word and they didn't equip and empower the laity to do ministry 
And so they completely went away with the way church was supposed to happen. And, and unfortunately, even though we've come a long way, it's kind of infiltrated in the church. And there, there, there are churches out there. I thank God we're not in a church like that. But there are churches out there where, where pe- saints can't even go on vacation without consulting with their pastor. Now, I'd like to know when you go on vacation, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you you can't go on vacation. <laughs> I'd like to know, and if there's special events of the church, as much as, I w- as much as you can, I'd like you to be there. But I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to tell you to ask me to, you know, to go on vacation, and neither is Pastor Tryon, and I'm thankful for that. But, I mean, it, it gets bad. I mean, where, you know, there's just this, like, iron hand that, that, that preachers are and pastors are leading with. And I thank God we don't have that culture in this church, and, and, but it has been created. That's kind of been... There's, there's a lot of preachers out there and pastors that are ruling with an iron fist, and that's not what it, the way it's supposed to be. I believe in pastoral authority and guidance, but that's taking it a little bit too far. <laughs> Acts 8 gives us an example of what should happen in the church. The church was scattered while the apostles mostly remained in Jerusalem. And even though the apostles remained in Jerusalem, revival broke out in Samaria and throughout the land. If the apostles were in Jerusalem, who did, mini- who did the ministry in those other places? It must have been the saints. (laughs) The privilege and responsibility of preaching or teaching the word or communicating it was not restricted to the fivefold ministry alone. You may not be called to pulpit ministry, but you are called to make disciples. You can take what you hear from the preachers and relay that information to somebody else. And that's the model that's presented in Scripture. Saints going everywhere throughout the week preaching the gospel. Think home Bible studies. Think Acts 1-8, being a witness into the uttermost parts of the earth. Too much ministry is being done by the church for the church. Yes, we minister to one another. And I know I'm almost, I know my time is almost up. Oh, you have a comment. I thought you were trying to tell me to hurry up. I'm glad she does that because otherwise it'd be here all night. But anyway, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. 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 Quickly, we're going to try to get through these last few points. We need to stop carrying water to the river and carry it to the desert instead. <laughs> that was a quote directly from the book, by the way, but I found it very powerful. We we focus so much internally sometimes when we need to focus externally. And, and yes, we have needs. Don't get me wrong. We have needs, and we need to help meet each other's needs. But there's, there's a lost and dying world out there that we need to meet their needs as well. The early church didn't have elaborate buildings around which to revolve their ministry. Their ministry revolved around the Great Commission to go and make disciples. The church was not a facility, but an action. They did more ministry in the streets than they did in the sanctuaries. Where did they get their model? They got it from Jesus, the master himself. 
So why was the early church able to have daily conversions? It's because they had daily church. And when we get this theology to be our theology, we will experience Book of Acts revival. And here's the final quote for tonight. If we are doing the work of the ministry and are making disciples Monday through Saturday, then Sunday will not be a therapy session for codependent saints. <laughs> Sunday will, be a, will become a celebration for all the great things God is doing through his people to fulfill his mission. I told you it's a good book. So, your homework. And I talked to Pastor about this, and he's good with this. I want you to, over the next three months, between June and August, I want you every day to read one chapter out of the book of Acts so that by the time we get to August, you'll have read the book of Acts three times all the way through. There's 28 chapters, so you'll, you'll be able to get through it. Even if you miss a day or two each month, you'll, you'll be able to get through it each month one time. Read one chapter at a time. Read through it. The book of Acts is where we get our foundation. It's where we get this culture from. I want you to read it with the emphasis of trying to see how they did things in the early church. And if you do that, all right, just, I'm, I'm just asking you to do it. I can't force you to do it. I am giving you, you know, the homework or something. I'll get you just a second, brother. Um, please, one chapter a day, starting in June, all the way through the end of August, we'll have read through the book of Acts three times. I believe it's absolutely going to transform our mindsets and give us a better understanding of this of this uh, uh, concept as we go through it. Yes, sir. Wha Well, so I, I so the book of Acts is powerful, and it really does. And that's that's where we see that the Holy Ghost fell, and so we see the early church. That's the only way you can find people actually being saved in the Bible. That's the only place you find people actually getting saved in the Bible. So, But I will say this. If you open your Bible, it brings the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible is the Word of God, and God is a spirit, <laughs> right? And, and holy is an attribute. And that's fine. That's why I'm fine. But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm addressing the thing you said, the book of Acts brings the Holy Spirit. Well, any book in the Bible brings the Holy Spirit because, because he wrote the book. <laughs> so the minute you open that book, the Holy Ghost is talking to you, all right, because that's his word. So th this whole thing is the minute I open this, he's talking to me. The minute I open it and start reading it, he's, he's talking to me. And he is the Holy Ghost. So amen. But book of Acts, let's read it. Yes, Brother Vernon, final comment, and we got to get going.
why it's called the work of the ministry. Absolutely. We're, we're glad you're back. Um, and there's greatness that's going to come as a result of this that we see. Amen. God bless you. You got your homework assignment. Sorry we went over a little bit, but thank you for the discussion. What tremendous discussion tonight. I really appreciate it. God bless you. We love